hand when the troubles come and hard times find your way rise and take a stand I am with thee so you can I will calm the storms and shield thee with my hand you are mine forevermore I will love you and adore all your sin is washed away by the blood I shed that day so stand and shew thyself a man shew thyself a man growing grace as I demand let the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart at work at home or play just obey without delay be a light that shines help others find their way you are mine forevermore I will love you and adore all your sin is washed away by the blood I shed that day so stand and shoot thyself a man. You are mine forevermore. I will love you and adore. All your sin is washed away by the blood I shed that day. So stand and shoot thyself a man. So stand and shoe thyself a man. So stand and shoe thyself a man. All right, let's take our Bibles today. We're going to look at one simple verse this morning. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Again, being Father's Day, I'm going to try to share something I believe will be uh, very uh, pertinent and practical for fathers, but I think also will be helpful to all that are gathered today. 1 John chapter 4, toward the end of the Bible. 1 John chapter 4. I wasn't saying that to you. I was trying to help myself there for a moment. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Verse 19. The Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. I heard about a father who had five children, and he had uh, won a toy at a raffle. Not something like that, but he won a toy. So he called all of his children together, and he, he asked which of them should have the present. So which one of you should get the present? I mean, who's the most obedient, he said. Who never talks back to Mama? Who does everything she says? And all five of the children simultaneously looked up and said, Okay, Dad, you get the key, you get the toy. <laughs> you win. <laughs> now, that has nothing to do with my message, but I liked it, and I thought I'd share that with you. 
But in our passage today, it says, We love Him because He first loved us. But what an intriguing statement. God is our Father. There's no better example of fatherhood than Him. You want us to know what a father is, you need to consider the Word of God and look and see how God responds to His children. He sets the bar pretty high for us, doesn't He? If you want to learn again how to be a father, guess what? The best example you could ever have is God Himself. Now see, as a father, God can be seen doing some things. God can be seen sacrificing on our behalf. In the book of John, chapter 15, verse 13, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, we know that Jesus Christ laid His life down for us. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, he says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus says, No, no one made me go to the cross. No one put those nails in my hands against my will. No one placed a spear in my side without my approval. No, I hung on that cross because I chose to do it. Jesus did that, sacrificing Himself for you and I. Not only does He sacrifice on our behalf, but He shows us compassion and extends comfort to us. In the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 37, we can see and hear the Lord Jesus Christ on that hilltop saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Later on in the book of John, the Lord Jesus Christ preparing to go to Calvary and ultimately leave the disciples on earth says, hold on, fellas, it's not over yet. I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. We're glad that the Lord Jesus Christ expresses and extends compassion and comfort to you and I. Not only that, but He provides for us. He is a great provider. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a faithful Father He is to provide for us. But not only does He provide, but He protects. I didn't say that He would not permit harm to come at times, but He is there to protect us, to care for us. It's an amazing thing that we can go through life for a number of years and then hear the first time we hear the word cancer, we look back at our God and shake our fist and say, Why hast thou forsaken me? When for 50, 60, 70 years, He protected us from it. He is a protector. In Psalm 57.1, the psalmist says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. 
Oh, God is a protector, isn't He? And then He honors us with His companionship and His fellowship. So unworthy are we of that. And yet He so graciously bestows it. In Hebrews 13, 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, but be content with such things as ye have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm so glad that He honors us with His fellowship. He says in Revelation 3.20, not only does He allow us to have His fellowship, but He initiates it even. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Not only does He desire to have fellowship and communion and companionship, but He also initiates it. He knocks at our door. He begs us to open the door. He cries out to have us let Him into our life. We're so honored. Not only that, but He extends care and concern to us, doesn't He? 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Overall, if we could just, in a nutshell, wrap it all up, we could just simply say this, that God extends His goodness and His blessing to all of us. In James 1.17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good gift is from God. Every good thing in your life is from your Father in heaven. Every good thing that you've ever experienced is from Him. Not only that, but in Romans 2.4, the Bible says, Or despiseth thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? How good is God to lead us to a place where we recognize our need for Him? And He may allow certain circumstances and situations in our lives to get our attention, but it's always for our own benefit and our own good. In Matthew 5.45, he says that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. I don't care today if you love God or not. It doesn't matter today if you are compelled to draw nigh to Him or to turn loose of Him. It doesn't matter what your position or what your place is with God today. I want you to know that God, nonetheless, is good to you. Every day the sun rises, every time the, the, the rain comes, every time the plants are fed and the, the, the crops rise out of the ground, I want you to know that's from the hand of a loving, good God. Whether you shake your fist at Him or whether you bow your knee, He's still good to you. This is the kind of daddy, this is the kind of father that we serve today. This is the kind of example that we are given as dads to express ourselves to our children. We are to become like Christ and therefore we are to be the kind of father that He is to us, to our children. That's a pretty high standard. When you boil it down, all of those things connected, all of those things taken into consideration, I could simply say that they are cords that He built in my life that drew me to Him. 
that keep me close to Him and to remind me always of His great love and His blessing in my life. We love Him because He first loved us. Those cords of love that we just spoke about, sacrifice, compassion, provision, protection, companionship, and fellowship, those are cords that God keeps us connected with. Those are cords that He drew us into Himself. Drew Him unto Himself. And then those are the cords that He that keep us in proximity to Him. And those are even cords that when we have gotten away, that ultimately can be used to draw us back. I contend with you this morning that every dad in this room needs to build some cords of love between them and their children. There's nothing more precious than the presence of Christ in my life. Oh, I appreciate His provision and protection and I certainly do appreciate all those things. But there's one thing that I long for the most. The one thing that I appreciate the most is that He does and He does and He does. See, that's, that's what it's really about. I really appreciate that He wants to spend time with me and allows me and permits me the opportunity to spend time with Him. I read a study that was conducted recently to determine the amount of interaction between fathers and their small children. First, the fathers were asked to estimate the amount of time they spent each day communicating with their child. I'm talking about small children. The average answer was about 15 to 20 minutes. Next, before they went any further, they took microphones and they attached them to daddies so that each interaction could then be recorded. The results of the study were shocking. The average amount of time spent by these middle class fathers with their small children was 37 seconds a day. Their direct interaction was limited to 2.7 encounters, not quite three times a day, lasting 10 to 15 seconds each. I'm glad that my father is much more liberal with his time than most daddies are with their children. How do we build these cords of love then? These cords of love that are extremely necessary. I want to take just a few minutes and share a couple of those with you today. And by way of illustration, we're going to try to drive that home. We don't have long, probably 10 minutes, 15 at the most. But I think you'll get the point, so let's pray. Father, we come to you. Again, it's our great privilege to gather here today. Lord, speak to our hearts now as we consider these cords of love. The same kind of cords that God, you, show us are the kind of cords we need to develop and to build with our own children. Help us now, Lord, in these next moments. May the Holy Spirit of God fill us and may we truly know your presence. And may we as men, fathers especially, leave here 
committed to building cords of love with our children. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. How do we build those cords of love that are so necessary? Again, those cords of love that we build are often the only thing that keeps our children close to us. Their friends, their dreams, their changing attitudes, and, uh, you know, those kind of things. Those things will draw them away. They'll pull them away at times. But those cords will keep them close when nothing else will. How do we do that then? What do we do? I mean, how do we build these cords of love? Number one, we need to spend time together. The study says that we spend not quite, uh, I mean, uh, what a pitiful response to the, the, to the, to the question. I mean, 2.7 encounters a day. And the worst part is, although they thought it was 15 to 20 minutes a day, they found that it was simply 37 seconds. I don't know about you, but if I spent 37 seconds a day at work, I wouldn't make a lot of money. And if I spent 37 seconds a day at church, I wouldn't get a lot out of it. And if I only spent 37 seconds a day trying to meet the needs of my wife and care for her and to continue to be there to comfort and strengthen her, I don't think I'd have much of a relationship. May I contend with you today that the reason why we're struggling in our homes and in our lives and even in our marriages is because we are bent on spending as little time as possible with the most important things God's given us. We are so quick to get busy at work, busy at play, busy at leisure, busy at comfort, busy on the cell phone, busy on Facebook, busy on uh, uh, the the video game, busy on the television, busy on in, in, in some kind of activity outside the home. We are so bent on being busy that we are losing our families. And inevitably, somebody says, well, what about church? You got a church all the time. Yeah, well, I take my family. And we serve together. We're not watching a TV. We're winning somebody to Jesus Christ. Using that foolish excuse. Well, if I wouldn't go to church, I'd have family time. That's the biggest hypocritical statement I've ever heard in my life. You kidding me? If you have to wait till Sunday night, Sunday morning, or Wednesday night to have family time, friend, you're too busy. When you have to neglect God and forsake God and forsake the Word and forsake His commands in order to have time with your family, then maybe God needs to be a little bit more serious about some things. Maybe, if you're not careful, God just may take some things out of your life so that you have time for Him. Oh, preacher, you're being mean. No, I'm being honest. You and I take God for granted all too often, and we use those things He gives us to somehow justify why we want nothing to do with Him. Say, what happened to you? You were nice last week. I've taken on some characteristics of that grill over there, those horns. You notice that? (laughs) That's pretty bad, isn't it? Wow. You gotta get that thing off stage. It's affecting me negatively. <laughs> I'm very concerned though. I want to build some cords, and I think you do today. So you need to spend some time together. Cultivate fellowship with your child. Spend time with them for no other reason than that you just want to be with them. That's a novel idea. To have children and actually spend time with 
In our culture, I'm telling you, obviously according to the statistics, that's what's going on. We're having children and we want to call ourselves fathers and mothers, but we're not being very good ones. Instead, we're obviously allowing someone or something else to raise our children. Because if we're not spending time with them, someone or something else is. Now, I, I, listen, I, I feel now, I've I got to admit this. This is difficult. If you're a, a single mom and you're trying to raise a child, if you're a daddy trying to raise your children and you've got to go to work and you've got to take care of the home, you've got to do this and do that. Listen, there's nothing easy about that. I beg you. I, be, I, I beg your, your uh, understanding here. I feel for you and I want God to bless you and He will bless you. Put God first. Do not sacrifice God and His house and the things of God in order to, to, to somehow meet a need in your child's life. Instead, include your children in your life and include them in your love for God and your faith in Jesus Christ. Bring them to God's house. Plug into some things. Keep them out of some things like some of these sports and all these other activities that steal their time from you. Quit ramming and running every five seconds to friends' houses and, and down the street to the soccer place and over here to the gymnastics house and everywhere else and just start keeping them home and enjoy them. You are in a disadvantage today by all means. Whether you were there on purpose, by your own doing, or whether it was just a horrible situation you found yourself and you had to get out, God help you. I feel for you. You can do it though. With God's help. You can still give your kids time. Oh, it may be a little more limited than you would like, but you can do it. And Daddy, you can do it. Listen, it's not your children's fault what's going on in your life. Don't make them pay. Now, there's some sacrifices everybody will make in a situation like that, but do your best, I mean your best, to spend time with them. If it means getting up earlier, if it means going to bed later so you can free up 30 minutes in the middle of the day to spend taking a walk around the block, you do that. Spend some time with them. You're going to build a cord. You're going to build a cord. You've got to build those cords. But Jeremy, will you come on up here, please? We're going to build some cords. Jeremy, can you take that? Right there, that's good. We've got some cords here. We're building a cord. Spend some time with our kids. That cord connects us to our children. Connects us to our children. You just hold on to that for just a second, brother. Just keep it right there. What about this? We need to make some memories. Make some memories. Vacations are a wonderful opportunity to make memories. But if you don't have the money to do vacation, that's all right. You can still make memories. What about, what about maybe hiking the gorge together, gentlemen? Take your child out there and hike the gorge where you're going to have to maybe climb on some rocks, give them a boost in the booty to get them up to the next level. Man, they're going to be scared to death and they're going to be concerned, but you're there to catch them if they fall. But they will have tremendous victories that day and there'll be memories and there'll be uh, uh, something solidified in their life that says, me and Dad whooped that place. We tore it up. We had a great time. Dad slipped and fell. You should have seen him. It was hilarious. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You're building some memories. Things that they'll never forget in a lifetime. Maybe maybe possibly you just go run a race together. Maybe you get into a 3K race or you train together and then you run together. You're building some cords of love. Create some memories. Plan some things. And then execute those things. They don't happen by chance. 
My wife's big on tradition, so she likes to have certain things we do every year, whether it's at Christmas or Easter or wherever it is. Hey, listen, she thought that thing out. She planned those out, and then we executed that. It doesn't happen by chance. Take the time to make memories. Then laugh together. I mean, we're building some cords here. We're building cords. We're building cords here. We're making memories and we're spending time together. Building cords of love. Then laugh together. Boy, I'll tell you what, Dad, don't bring the weight of the world into the home. You got it on your shoulders. You're carrying it. You're walking in. I mean, it's evident. And just, and you walk into the house and the kids feel the pressure and they feel the stress and they feel it. Leave that at work. You say, you don't understand my job. I know my job. I just got a call before I walked up here telling me that someone passed away and they needed me there. I know what it is to have pressure and stress. You do too. But that doesn't give any of us permission to make sure our whole family suffers for it. You've got to learn to laugh together. Leave that stress. Leave that pressure at work. I don't care if you've got to come home for one hour and go back and work another four or five. I don't care if you put 16 hours a day. Get home for a few minutes. And when you do get home, leave work alone. And then go back and hit it hard. But don't bring it back with you. Boy, I'll tell you what, so many children have horrible memories of Daddy because Daddy never laughed with them. Never enjoyed their time together. It was always such a burden. Oh, be quiet, Daddy's home. Oh, don't get too close to him. Oh, we're walking on eggshells because Dad will blow up at any minute. You're not building very many cords here. I'll tell you what, laughter builds some cords. I mean, it builds some cords. Builds cords. Be willing to laugh at yourself, fellas. It's pretty pitiful. Some of you are such giants in your own mind, you can't even laugh at yourself. Let alone let a child or a wife laugh at you. I let no one laugh at me. Can I use a biblical term to describe that? How about I don't? But anyway... Some of you are looking at me pretty mean. I don't want to go out there and get beat up. You need to laugh a little bit. I'd feel a lot better right now. But anyway, laugh at yourself even. Hey, what about this one? We need to work together. Work together. Come on now, listen. I don't care if you work 12 hours a day, 7 days a week, you've got time to do things with your child. I'm telling you, I I know firsthand. You can do that. I'm so tired of hearing guys cry about working 40 and 50 hours a week. And then they don't even have time for people because they're so busy. Are you kidding me? Grow up. Whatever happened to the day when men work two eight-hour jobs a day to provide for their families? For some reason, their kids aren't out there taking drugs. Their wife didn't leave them because of it. What happened to us in our culture? You know what the problem is today? We are selfish men. It's about us. It isn't about our children. It isn't about our wife. It isn't about, oh, we'll say, I'm working hard for my family. Oh, you're working hard for yourself. You want to feel like you're somebody. You want to be able to say, no, I provide for my family. That makes me a somebody. I'm not like that loser over there. See, it's still about you, isn't it? 
Since when do we have to compare ourselves to anybody? Our job, our responsibility is God-given. Let's provide for our family. But let's come home. Let's show our kids that they can love us and we can love them. That they don't have to worry about getting their head cut off or chopped off because we're having a bad day all the time. Leave work if you have to. Come home. Use that time that you're given at work to spend some time with your kids. I made a statement years ago. I learned it from another preacher and I adopted it as my life. I said this. My, my children are my hobbies. My children are my hobby. So I said, what do you do? You go golfing? No. No, I, I do. I do. Sorry. I go at least probably once a year with the church. Um, well, what do you do for relaxation, my children? I come home, I give myself to my kids. They're my hobby. You know, we give ourselves to the television, to the Internet. We give ourselves to the newspapers. We give ourselves to CNN. We give ourselves to other people. We never give our kids the best we have. I'm, I'm not trying to put people down. I'm, I'm, you may be doing everything right, and I'm just preaching to the choir. Praise the Lord. But I know in my own life I have to war with these things all the time. There's, somebody's trying to steal my time all the time. I'm always fighting for time. And you know who the biggest one stealing the time is? Me. Wasting time. If I'm not careful. Okay, here we go. We've got to move. What we need to do things they love to do. We're building some cords here. We've got to do some things they love to do. Here you go. We're going to move quickly now. So get, watch out. I'm going to start pulling. We've got to do things they love to do. Well, I don't like playing chess. I don't like checkers. I don't like playing games. But do your kids? I want to play football. Well, do your kids like football? Teach them to like football. And if they don't like football, then guess what? You better, find, you better do something they like doing. Well, you're going to lose your kid just because they don't like what you like? Is this really about you again? I thought it was about them. I thought God entrusted them to us. We're there to be we're just stewards of them. They're not, you know, you get where I'm going with this? We're responsible for them. So we need to do things that they like to do. Now, I'm not talking about stupid stuff. You know, I'm, I'm talking about real stuff. I mean, you know, they like to bowl maybe. If you got, if you got some extra money, they got a dollar after Sunday night service, you got one dollar a game over here. That's a pretty good deal. That's not too bad. You say, well, I don't like doing that. Did you buy a frappe last week? Did you? That cost you $4. You could have taken your son bowling and spent two games apiece for the same amount of money you spent on one drink. Don't tell me you don't have money. Sorry. <laughs> when, when I used to coach for uh, Bookto High School football team, the kids used to say this live. They said, Coach, it's live. It's live. That's what I feel like now. I'm live. It's live. We're getting down to the nitty gritty now. We ain't playing around, are we? Hey, listen, you need to do things they love to do. Now, watch this. I, I'm going to try to wrap this up because I have to really get it going here because of time. But here's what happens these cords, I'm going to throw one more in here. These cords now, notice these cords. These cords connect us. They connect us. Now, you've got to understand these cords. These cords are, are cords that connect for sure. But if I could put a name on the cords, 
if I could actually lay them out, if I could say what they are, I could say, and I'm looking for them right here, I'm trying to make sure I don't mess them up, but they'd be cords of sacrifice in our life. Compassion, provision, protection, companionship, and fellowship. Those are the cords, uh, building cords of love between us and our children. Now, I want you to know something about these cords. Again, they connect us. What happens is, even as God the Father, God drew us with these cords of love. He drew us to Himself. But then once we get saved, go ahead and back up, He keeps us within proximity by those cords. He keeps demonstrating we love Him because He first loved us. He continues to spend time with us. He continues to, to protect us, provide for us. He continues to fellowship and commune with us. And those cords of love that He builds draw us and keep us close. Today we have this big idea that there's this huge generation gap that teenagers and children cannot somehow identify with their parents and that they're going to go off and do whatever they want and they're going to have to have a whole set of other friends and mom and dad will just be kind of out of their life. Once they hit 13, 14, 15, it's over. You might as well just plan on them spending time in their room, going out doing their own thing, not wanting to go to grandma's or grandpa's anymore, living their own life. I'm going to tell you what, that's a lie right out of hell. You know what the problem is? No cords. And so therefore, there's nothing holding them in. Let go. Nothing holding them. Out they go. Just like, just like, uh, just, just like um, gravity keeps a planet in alignment with the sun. <laughs> you get rid of these cords, there's no gravity. And guess what happens to the planet? Just shoots right off out into outer space. And that's exactly what's going on with our kids, it seems. There's no cords of love being built. Now hold on. I know the next question. Well, what happens when they just go ahead and leave and go off on their own and I've built these cords and I've strived and I've done my best? Praise God, you've done your best. Can I tell you something? I don't care how strong the cords are. They can cut them. I don't like daddy, daddy's rules. I like spending time with dad, but I like being with a girlfriend better. I'm going to get, I'm going to go hang out with my buddies and friends, and I'm tired of dad's rules. Dad and mom spent time building cords of love. He decides he's going to cut free, get loose, hold on. You say, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know. Before we end this message, I want to turn to one passage. I want you to go back, if you would, please, with me to Luke chapter 15. This is the last example I'm going to give, and then we're going to close. Luke 15. Notice what it says. We're dealing with a pretty familiar, pretty familiar character in the Bible. You know him as the prodigal son. Notice what happens here, verse 14, chapter 15, verse 14. And when he had spent all, understand now, he comes to his daddy. He says, Daddy, I want my inheritance now. I'm tired of waiting. I don't care how much you've invested in my life. It doesn't matter how good you've been to me. I want to go my own way, do my own thing. Give me my inheritance now. And his daddy said, Son, you're breaking my heart. I know, but I want it now. Out the door he went with his inheritance. You know how the story went, don't you? Pretty down on his luck now. Ran out of money. Spent it on riotous living. But all his friends are gone now that the money's run out. 
That's how it always is, isn't it? Verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, He said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And when he had spent all, When he had spent all, all he had in life were the cords still left in his hand. And he says to himself, I'm starving out here. I've got nothing. And the servants in my father's houses, they're eating all the food they want. They're taken care of and they're, they're being fed and their needs met. And I remember those days. I remember Daddy spending time with me. And I remember Daddy giving me food to eat. And I remember Dad teaching me how to be a man. And I remember Dad investing his life in me. Oh, I've got his Daddy! You say those cords were a waste of time. Your son's gone out in the world! No, they weren't. That's when he spent all. When he finally comes to himself, he looked down at his hands and he'll see the cords of sacrifice that you made. He'll see the compassion that you showed him. He'll recognize the provision and the protection you afforded him. And the fellowship and the communion that you gave him. When he spent all, those cords will draw him back. Thanks, brother. We love him because he first loved us. You ever been away from God? Did you ever spend all? And then come to yourself. Been there, done that. Right there. That's what did it. You get to remember in those chords. And you say, man, it could be so much better. I remember there was a better day in my life. Not only do those chords draw us to Him. Not only do they keep us close. But then, there they stand in the hand to remind us when we've gotten away. There's a better way. They draw us back to Him. Daddy, you need to develop those kind of cords with your children. You can't guarantee 100% they're not going to go wayward. They're not going to do things that disappoint us. But what we can know is that they'll never be able to say, 
Dad and Mom didn't love me. Every time they look down, they'll see the cords. Oh, severed, yes, personally, by themselves. They severed them. may not have been anything you did. They just made a decision to go off their own way to get out of orbit with you. But there in their hand are those cords still to remind them of a better day and a better way. God help us to build cords of love, dads, moms. Father, we